Welcome to The Power Supply, your weekly digest of technology and science with your hosts, David Lei and Ziyang Cui. Let's get started. So today we will be talking about the Facebook and Cambridge Analytica scandal how quitting Facebook could possibly be bad for you, flash freezing brains, and a hearing device much smaller than an eardrum. And that is our technology. Do you want to start us off, David, with Facebook and the Cambridge Analytica scandal? All right. So on Wednesday, March 4th, Facebook announced that up to 87 million Facebook profiles may have been leaked and had their data improperly shared with Cambridge Analytica. So when uh, both you and I have a Facebook account, right? Yep, we both have Facebook accounts. And uh, when we register for a Facebook account, we probably don't think that our data is being shared with someone else without us being notified, correct? Yep, exactly. But this is, uh, but Facebook is telling us that that has happened to 87 million users, which is insane. All right, but... So this figure is much higher than the original estimate of no more than 30 million wide, which is a huge difference already. Yeah, I, I believe on uh, Monday they were like, there's no more than 30 million users who have been affected. And uh, on Mon Wednesday, March 4th, they moved that number up to 87 million, showing how untrustworthy Facebook can be. All right. Well, Facebook chooses not to disclose exactly how many accounts have been harvested by Cambridge Analytica. And not how the data was used by Russia to influence the 2016 presidential election. Uh, I think like an important uh, fact is to know that uh, why this thing is so prevalent in the news is because Cambridge uh, used the data to influence the election. Uh, which is a huge, which is a very big deal. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, sorry. Uh, Facebook also acknowledged that its search and account recovery functions vulnerabilities could have exposed most of its 2 billion users to having their public profile information harvested. So most of, al al almost all of Facebook's users could have, uh, have had their info harvested, which is insane. Like, how could we be so trustworthy of something that, like, affects all of us? Yeah, exactly. So Zuckerberg is expected to testify on Capitol Hill before the Senate's Commerce and Judiciary Committees on Tuesday and the House of Energy and Commerce Committee on Wednesday. And, uh, like, Congress is definitely looking into, like, his uh, actions and how he's managing Facebook. And uh, the Federal Trade Commission is investigating a possible breach of contract regarding a 2011 agreement that regulated user privacy. All right, so for the worrying Facebook users out there, uh, like myself and Ziyang, yep. uh, uh, Facebook released a statement saying that it will, by Monday, April 9th, inform users whether their data was shared with Cambridge Analytica. I don't think that really assures me that much. Like, all they're going to do is to tell me, oh, I've been shared, my info has been shared. They're not doing anything to help me in reality, are they? Yeah, is it not? I... I feel the same too. Like, I'm I'm living in suspense, and I either have a good outcome or a bad outcome. If I have a good outcome, then it's still a threat of like, oh, okay, I'm, my data is very very vulnerable, and it's very likely that 
this could happen again. And uh, however, Zuckerberg claims that Facebook by next month, by May, will offer tools and controls mandated under a European policy, rules that uh, would give users more control over their digital data. I think like this is definitely an improvement, but I think Zuckerberg definitely needs to do more, considering that how like global and how prevalent Facebook is, is in our lives and how much access it has to our personal information. He needs to do more. All right. Speaking of of Facebook as a prevalent fa- uh, af- aspect of many people's lives, uh, we're going to talk about how quitting Facebook could be bad for you. Okay, so n- by this point, I'm pretty sure most of you are feeling like, okay, got to disable my account and delete all possible like traces, which isn't possible because of digital footprint, but people still try it. And of cor- uh, according to a study from... Uh, the Journal of Social Psychology, which tracked 138 active Facebook users and found that taking a five-day break from the platform lowered levels of stress hormone cortisol. So is it time to take up your pitchforks and run out this new villain? Well, not so fast, apparently. Although our uh, the participants in the study showed an improvement in psychological stress by physiological. Up, oh, sorry, physiological stress by giving up Facebook. They also uh, reported lower feelings of well-being, and uh, people said that they felt more unsatisfied with their life and were looking forward to resuming their Facebook activity. All right. So even though they had lower cortisol levels, and Xiang, what quickly for our readers, what is cortisol? Huh. What is cortisol? All right. Uh, so cortisol is a stero- Oh. It, I think it is. Uh, it's just, it's called the stress hormone for those of you that don't know, like myself. It is a stress hormone that uh, is part of your psychological, uh, physiological stress. But uh, most participants didn't even notice that um, they felt less stress despite like it actually happening and in some in, so in some instances since we use face uh since a lot of us use social media um social media including facebook can actually help you cope with stress yeah in fact uh, according to the science journal on computers and human behavior uh northwestern university renwin Zhang surveyed 500 facebook users and uh, concluded that opening up on Facebook helped these students uh, cope with stressful situations um, because when these students uh, shared their information, they were uh, going to get support from their Facebook friends. Uh, They're going to get encouragement, advice, offers to help, and this in turn made them feel more satisfied and less depressed. All right, and so these digital hugs you get through Facebook by sharing your life, like, you of course you're going to get some backlash, but... Mostly, there you have people supporting you through online, and even those digital hugs can help you get through like for anything from breakups to a crappy day to even like uh, just you're not feeling just a day you're not feeling too good. I I'd like to point something out. Uh, this study mm-hmm. shows that we are. I feel like this is showing that we are relying on some like technology, social media too much, like on uh, regarding our stress because. This study says that if we uh, if we use Facebook, we'll feel uh, we'll be more satisfied with life because we're getting encouragement from our fans, uh, friends, sorry, and family members. But like, why wouldn't we not get that 
uh, through normal life. Like, why wouldn't we get that without using Facebook? Don't we have friends and family like without and Facebook? And speaking about uh, other drawbacks, there seem to be, like, we talked about privacy issues, but then, like, phone use is, uh, technology use is kind of also becoming an issue. So do we really want to keep, we can always keep in mind that social media can definitely help, but you also got to keep in mind it can also hurt as well. Yeah, definitely. And uh, going off of that, we are going to our next topic about flash freezing brains. All right. What do you mean by flash freezing your brain? Well, uh, scientists, especially with uh, the Netcom, um, they're, they are planning to, uh, I guess, uh, freeze your brain uh, and then uh, transfer your data from your brain into a computer so that you technically, I guess, live forever on the digital world. Oh wow! This uh, that seems pretty cool. I never die. I live f- my. I live forever. That well, sounds fun. Well, here's the thing: you have to die first. What? What do you mean? So, um, here's what happens: that, uh, your b- body is flo- uh, after you die. Your b- body is flooded with embalming fluid, and your brain is tucked into a freezer. And then uh, researchers or scientists put uh, this uh, information from your brain. They engineered a human brain and put it on the computer, and then your digital self lives forever. Okay, so this seems a little sketchy. And the details on how they would get your, the data from your brain to the digi- a digital world is a little, uh, it's very uh, iffy and very fuzzy on yeah. the details. And uh, especially for uh, neuroscientists, neuroscientists at MIT are call- calling it unethical. Like they're s- saying it's completely unethical and unrealistic. Uh, yeah, neuroscience has not sufficiently advanced to the point where we know whether any brain preservation method is powerful enough to preserve all the kinds of biomolecules related to memory and the mind. And, like, living forever on the world, like, is that really ethical? Like, should humans uh, preserve their um, themselves on online forever? And is that really living forever? Is just your, like, I guess... Uh, just living online really like being alive well netcom netcom the company that's uh that's spreading this idea uh issued a statement in response stating that it would only go ahead with the support of the scientific community as they and we quote we believe that rushing to apply vitrification today would be extremely irresponsible and hurt eventual adaptation of a validated protocol well that oh. sounds like a m- that sounds a little more reasonable than what we've been hearing. And considering that um, Netcom needs a lot of money to start this idea, considering how like advanced in science they w- they would have to be, uh, MIT has completely pulled out, and so the startup's financial future is looking quite shaky. Even then, it's still it's still a massive waiting list of volunteers who are ready to get their brains put on ice collecting $200,000 in the process. But overall, the concept of digital consciousness is science fiction. We've seen it in uh, Captain America, a bunch of movies, and it's, it's just, right now, it's completely uh, science fiction. Uh, science fiction, sorry. And at this point, let's just stick with it being science fiction until it becomes a reality. Yep. And uh, for the final topic today, we will be talking about some... Uh, 
I guess, new technology regarding uh, hearing devices. All right. So I'm not deaf myself, <laughs> but I kind of am because I can't hear. Sometimes, have you ever had those moments where you're just like hoping that someone wasn't asking you a question after they you had them repeat the same question three same thing three times yep definitely yeah all right so maybe i need this so case western reserve university researchers are engineering atomically thin transducer drum heads that can send and receive radio frequencies even greater than those we can hear with our natural ear and so what's so special about these drum heads are that not only they can send and receive frequencies that uh are much greater than those we can hear, but also that they are tens of trillion times thinner than the human eardrum. So they can uh, fit in the ear without being too big. They could fit in a bunch of other devices, and they could just be really impactful in the future. In fact, uh, this sensor can detect signals at the dynamic range of frequencies up to 110 decibytes which is more than the human hearing range range of 60 to 100 decibels. Decibels. I decibels, think. sorry. All right. But the transducer the this technology is not applicable to current devices however, but it will help future devices such as making the next generation of ultra low power communications and sensory devices smaller with ev- with greater detection and tuner ranges like uh this device can be really uh, used in a lot of uh different devices it can not only be used in hearing aids but it could help uh detect um sound waves sound uh, like it's just so prevalent and sound is a very important feature in our lives too there's a lot of Warning, a lot of things give a lot of warning signs with sounds, whether it be a creaking bridge with a low moan or like high-pitched screeching that you don't, you would not really hear that well. But with this, you could hear all that whole range and have a better sense of what's going on around you. And because it is so small, it could be placed in a bunch of places and it could be used for many different things without taking too much space and I guess costing too much money, so it can be a practical, uh, a practical way of using sound to help our lives. All right, but here's a thought. So you know, so you know how our environment right now is very like, oh, we have a lot of there's a lot of tension between like other countries in the U.S. Right. Mm-hmm. So this technology could also be used as reconnaissance or like, uh, co for used in covert op- operations. Yeah, definitely. Like, if something so small can be placed somewhere and then it can send. So what what kind of dangers does this pose to us? Nothing at the moment as it's still in development. But just keeping your mind, keeping, uh, just ever keeping, like, an open mind, you always have to think about the good and the bad. So... There good. There's always gonna be good implications for this technology, but then again, there's always the fact that it could be used against us. I think like we're all really uh, hopeful for all new technologies. For example, um, like the freezing thing we talked about earlier, and uh, this eardrum device. However, we should all be definitely cautious because it is a new technology, and we don't know that much about it. It could be used for bad things. So, yeah, I mean, we, we should be cautious, but also hopeful. All right. So uh, this concludes our episode for today. Uh, tune in next week. See ya.